Good afternoon. Welcome again to a Facebook study of the Bible. This is Bill Allen coming to you from downtown Tyler, Texas, and welcoming you to our Thursday afternoon session. On Thursdays, we are covering a book called The Songs of Jesus. It's a daily devotional book uh, by Tim and Kathy Keller uh, based on the Psalms. We'll read through the Psalms all year long. But as we go through each week, it's a daily devotional book, which means that there's readings every day that are not very long. And after uh, the whole year, then if you're reading through that book, you will have read through all 150 Psalms. Um, you'll be glad to know we're not going to do that today. But we will look at one Psalm in particular, and it is Psalm uh, 71. And uh, so I hope if you have a Bible, you'll kind of open it up to that or click on Psalm 71. And if you have that uh, devotional book, I certainly recommend it. Uh, I know you'll be blessed as well. Uh, but as we look at Psalm 71, it's one of those great psalms of praise and joy and rejoicing and assurance in the Lord. Uh, we see it from the very first words, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. But there's also a little sentence or two in the middle of it where you realize, well, this, this psalmist is not just spouting off positive things because he's denying reality. He actually has something to say about that, too. And yet in the midst of it all, still God is his rock of refuge. So Psalm 71, the first six verses, first of all, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Obviously, the psalmist is asking for God's help. He's asking for God to not just, he's not just acknowledging that God is his rock of refuge, but he's asking God to do that. Verse 3 continues that. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. This uh, chapter, this psalm, Psalm 71, I kind of go back and forth with it, wondering if the psalmist has experienced the deliverance of God, and now he's writing after the fact, or if he's in the midst of it and is uh, hoping and waiting, and yet hoping and waiting in faith and trust that God will deliver him. I kind of feel like it's the latter of those two, but I'm just not completely sure. Verse 4 of Psalm 71, Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. What a great statement. Has your confidence since your youth been the Lord? That's what the psalmist says. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. It doesn't get any further back than that, does it? Your mother's womb. The psalmist says, you know, God, you've been a part of my life since the earliest of my memories. Uh, what a great, great statement. The psalmist asks for help because God is righteous. That's what he can acknowledges in verse 2. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. But shouldn't that lead him to punish rather than aid us? The Kellers ask. Because if God is righteous and we're getting what we justly deserve, then it's punishment. The difference, of course, is Jesus Christ. And the psalmist day, the difference was the law of Moses and the sacrifices that could help alleviate that guilt, but only for a while, only until Jesus Christ came and his blood washed away the sins, even of those who were 
guilty under the old covenant, the writer of Hebrews very clearly says. The psalmist in Psalm 130 asks, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, which he does, Lord, who could stand? Well, that's true. That's all truth of God's word. Uh, the soul that sins is the one that shall die. The Old Testament says in Ezekiel 18, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 says in the New Testament. But that verse goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible is one long great answer to that question. How can God save us and not violate his own righteousness? And that happens only through Jesus. Uh, he had the right to not die, to not be punished because he had no sins, but he took our sins upon himself. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, probably my favorite verse of scripture over the last few years. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 much reads much like very similar uh, to, the, to the thought in John 3 16. Because I have taken refuge in Jesus' saving work on my behalf, we turn to God for his protection and joy. Uh, and if it were not for Jesus, it would be presumptuous for us to ask. Psalm 71 continues in verse 7. I have become like a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. What a great thought, an example, the psalmist says. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Isn't it interesting that he says, from my earliest memories in my mother's womb, even before I could remember anything, he talks about that. But then he also talks about those days when his strength is gone and he finds himself an old man. Verse 10, for my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him for no one will rescue him. Again, the psalmist seems to be in the throes of the difficulty, of the threats, of the, of the uh, pain. And he's crying out to God that God would not cast him away, that God would be his strength, that God would be his refuge. But his enemies are thinking that God has turned his back on him. And even the psalmist is going to refer to that in just a moment. Verse 11, though, they say, his enemies, they say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, the psalmist replies. My God, come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. Perhaps not very politically correct. Perhaps not consistent with what Jesus says when he says, love your enemies and pray for them. But a very honest feeling. And the Psalms are honest verbalizations of true feelings. And I know we've all felt that way. When we've been overcome by enemies, when we've been taken advantage of, when others have received uh, blessings perhaps that were actually due us in the workplace or in some other uh, situation. Uh, we've wanted to pray those same prayers and the psalmist actually verbalized those things, much like Job does in those speeches that you find in the book of Job. Verse 14 says, as for me, unlike his enemies, I will always have hope. 
I will praise you more and more. Even though his enemies say he has no hope because God has rejected him, the psalmist says, I will always have hope. I will praise you, God, more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. A couple of things from these verses, verses 7 through 18 of Psalm 71. One of them, obviously, is the psalmist wants to share the message of God. He wants to share the word. He wants everyone around him to know that he believes in God as his strong refuge. Uh, he wants everyone to know of God's mighty acts. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, verse 15 says, of your saving acts all day long. Uh, the psalmist is ready to do that even though he hasn't ex received some of that blessing yet. Um, again, he also reminds us that he has followed God and served God and looked for God to be his refuge since the earliest days and now even in his older years. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. And it's interesting, verse 18 gives a reason for that. Not, not just so the psalmist can be uh, delivered, but here's what he says. Till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. The psalmist, like most parents and grandparents I've ever known, are... The, the most concerned about the youth. They're looking for that next generation, but they're looking for it to be safe, but to be safe spiritually, to be safe for eternally, to, to be safe for eternity, to be able to be saved, to be found righteous in the eyes of God, not because they're sinless, but because they have had faith, a trusting faith, an obedient faith in Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, look, they, that next generation needs to hear my witness, my testimony, that God was there for me, that he did not forsake me, that he was my rock of refuge. Uh, well, we continue to think about this and we realize that uh, where our value comes from, our value comes from our God who thinks so much of us that he will continue to deliver. He will continue to bless he will continue to be our rock of refuge. Verse 19 of Psalm 71. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, O God? Though you have made me see troubles, verse 20 says, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. Well, you could say the psalmist is just practicing positive mental attitude, <laughs> thinking positively that God will come through for him. And you may perhaps very well be right, but it's not based on nothing. It's not just a blind optimism that denies the reality. And that's where verse 20 comes in. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life. Again, from the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. The psalmist is in the depths of the earth. He's in trouble. And he's not sure how this is all going to play out, but he is sure that God will deliver him, that God will be his refuge. Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, God doesn't save and spare his people from the troubles that come with life. Jesus himself 
assured us. Not only did he not say, if you'll just serve and follow me, you won't have any troubles. He actually said in John 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have troubles. And we know that to be true. The psalmist knew that to be true. But Jesus tells us, I'm telling you this so that you, in me, you might have peace. You won't have it in the world. You'll have trouble in the world. But in me, Jesus said, you can have peace because he says, I have overcome the world. And he overcame the world by giving his life on the cross. What the world looked like as complete and utter failure and defeat, God sees and Jesus sees as the ultimate victory. Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. If you're in the depths of the earth right now, if you're experiencing troubles, know that God is aware that he sees and that he is present with you, even if he doesn't spare you from those troubles. Remember, Jesus experienced a no answer to his prayer in the garden. Take this cup from me. And God refused. Why? Because it was not his will. His will was not just to save his son, but his will was to save all of those who would trust in his son. And that's where you and I come in. The psalmist now assured that God will continue to be his refuge, uh, says this in the last three verses of this psalm, verses 22 through 24 of Psalm 71. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have, put, have been put to shame and confusion. So is the psalm written after the deliverance has come? Well, maybe. Maybe. Is, are parts of it written in the midst of that uh, uh, threat? Maybe. Maybe. But the psalmist is so confident that he says, I will praise you. I will praise you with the harp. I will sing praise to you with the lyre. Musical instruments, Bill. I thought the Church of Christ didn't use musical instruments in worship. Well, we don't in the worship assembly because that's what the New Testament says. But here, Bill, it says right there in the Bible in Psalm 71, well, remember also that those are Old Testament times. Remember what else they did <laughs> during the time this Psalm was written. Offered up animal sacrifices for their sin. Observed the Sabbath, the seventh day, rather than worshiping God on Sunday, the first day of the week. What was the difference? Well, the difference was God rested on the seventh day and blessed it to the Jews and Today, we celebrate on the first day of the week because that's when Jesus was risen from the dead. And those are different. Those are different. We still worship the Lord. We still shout for praise. We still sing those songs because that's what the New Testament calls us to do. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding, 1 Corinthians 14 says. And so that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, and the psalmist used the prayer and worship of his day to praise God, and we are to do the same. Use the prayer and worship of our day, acknowledging God's great forgiveness, his almighty deliverance, but also acknowledging that that doesn't mean we won't experience troubles. It just means that in the midst of those troubles, he is present with us. He is our rock of refuge. Just as the psalmist prayed, he is that for you. And so what's our response? 
the psalmist tells us in verses 23 and 24, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. The psalmist trusts God's sovereign wisdom and love, and love, even when he is in the midst of many and bitter troubles, as he said in verse 20. Uh, still, we trust in God to restore our lives. That great passage in Romans chapter 8, when Paul says, I consider that the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. It's an acknowledgement that in, at the present there are sufferings and troubles, but it can't compare to the deliverance that will come when we see our Lord and are safe on the other side of eternity. It's what a great, great thought. And what a comfort to know that the psalmist struggled with his difficulties. He acknowledged them. He wished evil upon his enemies. I'm not telling you you should do that, but I'm telling you, you probably feel like that sometimes. But the psalmist also said, the Lord is my rock of refuge. The Lord will deliver me. And when he does, and even before he does, I will shout for joy to, to praise him. I will tell everyone of the mighty and saving acts of my God. I hope that you will do the same. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for delivering us. Thank you for being our rock of refuge. In no greater way, Father, than the sending of your Son to bring about our forgiveness and salvation for those who would have a trusting, obedient faith in you. Father, help us to have that trusting, obedient faith. Help us to rely on you, to trust in you through the difficulties, to remember during those days of suffering that they cannot compare with the eternal joy that we will share with you. And Father, in the meantime, help us to be people of faith. Help us to be people that do not deny the reality of the suffering and the troubles, but who see in there an opportunity to trust you more, who see in there an opportunity to be a witness and a testimony that others will see us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our difficulties, that we have made God our rock of refuge. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you will be blessed uh, in the days ahead. I pray that you will have a wonderful Father's Day. And if you don't have good memories of a father, then I pray that you will remember that you have a wonderful Father in heaven who loves you and who gave himself for you. God bless.